and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's your favorite Mexican-American Gemini from South Texas. It's Chibi. And she's the lipstick-loving Salvadorican from Brooklyn, New York. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. What up, everybody? Welcome to season two of Words. I can't believe we're at season two. And welcome to Rocky. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I was already geeking out. I was like, oh, wow, that's us. We recorded that. I forgot. I saw you counting down in the background. You were like, three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, my God. Happy New Year to you, Rocky, and to everybody that's watching at home. I can't believe we made it through 2020. I know, I know. Happy New Year. Definitely Happy New Year. I hope you had a wonderful time um, of during your holidays, during your break, to get some well-needed rest, right? I know I did. Um, I'm still trying to get, find that rest in 2021. Um, but yes, hi. Hi, I'm so Lord. excited to be here. And I thought we were going to just coast into 2021 and like it was going to be fine. And then yesterday happened. Yeah, I mean, yesterday it started off great, you know, with Georgia. Congratulations, Georgia. Like, just flipping the Senate. Thank you. Um, doing the work. Um, and I really want to... And then we have this attempted coup going on. <laughs> attempted coup mm -hmm. and blatant domestic terrorism. And it was just a, a really from it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it gets me thinking as to how much more work this country still needs to do in terms of grappling with its identity, right? And, and yeah. how we're going to get there. And when things feel just so out of control, there's, you feel like there's nothing that you can do that I think one of the most important things we can do is just take care of ourselves, right? And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, show some, some love and tenderness to ourselves and to those around us. I'm, I'm curious, Rocky, what are some of the ways that you're tender to yourself and show love to you? Oh, wow. Um, so definitely, um, I know I said live from Brooklyn, New York, but I am actually in Houston, Texas with my mom. So my self-care is coming back home. So I'm here home trying to rest and taking care of myself in many ways by being around community and support. Um, and I'm glad because like we said yesterday, these were just uh, moments of like traumatic experiences, you know, for so many of our communities. Um, and so just taking that time for ourselves to rest and being very tender. I love the word tender, right? Mm. Um, I'm a Pisces. So tender is like, I think <laughs> needed in that definition of what a Pisces is. So yeah. For how sure. about you? Uh, sometimes it's just the little things, you know, like when I wake up, I will give myself 10 to 20 minutes to just lay in bed you know, mm -hmm. and like slowly ease myself into the day rather than mm -hmm. just be like, hey, my alarm went off, gotta go, gotta go, right? And having these moments of just like stillness yes. that I think are so necessary when there's chaos all around us. Um, yes. And like you said, just being tender is such, is such a rare thing in a world that like is almost demanding of us to be hard, you know, and to be to be strong all the time. And there can be strength in softness. Yes, and I want to say that tenderness and softness can be radical, right? Self care is a radical way, um, an act too. And 
guess what? There's actually a workshop (laughs) (laughs) called Radically Tender by our feature poet tonight, Ariana Brown. What? Yeah, so let me introduce her uh, before she comes in. But Ariana Brown is a queer, Black, Mexican-American poet from San Antonio, Texas. She is the author of Sana Sana, which means heal, heal, right? A poetry chapbook with game over books. And a 2014 National Collegiate Poetry Slam champion, Ariana's work investigates queer, Black personhood and Mexican-American spaces, spirituality, and in care. She is currently studying to be a librarian. So can we please in, bring in Ariana Brown? Hey. Hi. How y'all doing? I mean, all things considered, we're getting by, right? That's real. That's a loaded question. I'm sorry to start off that way. <laughs> That's my bad. <laughs> I don't like my breath is like I'm holding in my breath. I think I've been holding my breath for the past year or so, and I have to like breathe, right? So that question was loaded. <laughs> I know I've been consciously trying to think of new ways to like greet someone when like I'm on the phone with them or things like that. Cause like, how are you doing? Like you said, it's heavy right now. It's almost like, how are you wearing your pajamas today? <laughs> That's really the question on everyone's mind. <laughs> well, we are so excited to have you here uh, to hear some of your work and to have a conversation with you. Uh, we've been fans of yours for a very long time and just can't wait to dive right in. Um, so we are going to new year, new season. We've got some new segments that we're introducing. <laughs> and so we're going to dive in with our first segment that we are calling speed dating. Okay. okay. We want to let the audience get to know you a little bit better before we even get to the poetry. So we're gonna ask you a series of questions and feel free to answer them as concisely or as elaborately as you feel like you need to. Okay. Okay. And you know, we will just absorb. We may come back to the answers later during the conversation if we wanna dive in, but we are just going to absorb your answers and let you be you, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right, so first question. How would your favorite person describe your poetry? My favorite person? Uh, how would they describe my poetry? Um, I feel like they would probably say that it that it means a lot to me uh, and that I care a lot about wanting it to mean a lot to, to other people as well. Um, I think they would say that it's careful, um, tender. Uh, that's a good word for it as well. Um, and... Uh, imaginative. Yeah, period. Okay. Oh, that was good. I like those. those <laughs> <ones>. <laughs> All right. So this was, uh, I think this is a little easy. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Um, I'm an afternoon granny. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. What is your most overused word? Um, it's probably whatchamacallit. Um, I didn't realize this, but my partner tells me that I say that all the time. It's not a word that I'm ever aware that I'm saying. I'm like, I don't say that word, but they're like, yeah, you do. You say it a lot, actually. That or probably the F word. I curse a lot. And this year has been a great time to practice that. No, 
Okay. I think we all have. <laughs> yeah, first birds in 2020. So, okay. Um, let's see. What is your favorite dish? Oh, um, are we talking about like meals or like desserts? Because I feel like desserts is like a whole separate category. You feel me? Yeah. I feel like you can just give an answer for both or okay. the other. whatever you're feeling right now. <laughs> okay. I can do that. Um, I don't think I'm lactose intolerant, but I cannot digest chicken Alfredo. And it is one of like my favorite things that I love to eat. Um, and not even like fancy kind. Like my mom used to try to make like homemade Alfredo sauce. And I was like, I just want the stuff from the jar <laughs> at HEB. <laughs> like I really do not care. Um, so I really love chicken Alfredo. I, I miss having that. Um, and for desserts, I really like the, um, the, like the pink shortbread cookies with the sugar in the middle that you get from the panaderia, the polvorones, mm. uh, like the bright pink ones that are like, it's kind of like a dry cookie. It's not super sweet. That's, that's my absolute favorite dessert. Mm. Mwah. Okay. <laughs> Good. All right. What's your go-to writing device? Writing device? Like, um, in like figurative language or like no, 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 like like what are you like me? physically yeah like physically like where do you or where are you most comfortable what are you most comfortable using to write um i really like writing in like a very plain um like lined spiral notebook like the ones you get for like 20 cents at walmart um i'm not a fancy person so that i feel very at home and like able to uh just like mark things up and be messy in there yeah Okay. Yeah, I'm a. I love a good like spiral no notebook, right? And different colors too. It just speaks to you. That's mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. and yeah, then I really hate actually when people give you uh like fancy journals and stuff. Like I feel like my family, I feel like are not great at, at getting gifts, and so they know that I, they've known that I've liked to write for a very long time and for a while. Every like Christmas or birthday, they would get me like a fancy like you know leather bound notebook, and I was always just like. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then let's see, what are your writing rituals? Hmm. Um, writing rituals. I don't know that I have um super defined ones, but I know um y'all were talking about like ways that you're tender to yourself earlier. Um I have started like stretching before bed every night. Um, cause I, cause I'm not a morning person. Usually I'm super cranky cause I have like really tense. Um, so like that helps me before bed, but I've noticed that especially in the last year, because there's been so much stress, um, that often when I take like 30 minutes before bed to try and stretch, um, it like also helps me be more aware of just the thoughts and feelings that I've been having. And lately what's been happening is that in the middle of stretching, um, I've needed to get up and write a poem. I didn't realize that I had I needed to write until I got back into my body. Interesting. I like that. Okay. All right. Last one then. Where is your favorite place? That's hard. I feel like there are different things about certain places that I really like. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I'm going to cheat and say like two favorite places. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm a Gemini, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of thoughts and feelings. Um, one of my favorite places in the world is um, 
the Mission Flea Market on the south side of San Antonio. Um, we used to we used to go there uh, like every weekend growing up, um, and that's where my family's from is from the south side. Um, and then probably my second favorite place in the world is just he, the city of Houston, Texas. Um, my dad's side of the family is from like the Houston Galveston area. Um, and I used to spend summers in Houston as a kid. Um, and so yeah, I don't love the weather <laughs> in either place, um, but I think the city of Houston just feels very um, familiar and comfortable for me. Mm, I love that. And we we uh, I think all three of us have lived in both Houston and San Antonio. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm actually in Houston right now. <laughs> and I'm in San Antonio right now. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so that's just a little sprinkling. We'll dive deeper into maybe some of these questions and a little bit more, but that's gonna happen after this. Right now, what we're gonna do is hand the show over to you, Ariana, if you can please grace us with some poetry. I'd be happy to. Yes. Um, before I do, I just want to give a quick shout out to um, my high school freshman year English teacher, Ms. De La Fuente, who's watching. Uh, I really appreciate you a lot. Uh, you taught me so much about literary devices, and I still have my binder that has that whole, um, that has all the definitions of them, and I go back to it often. I thought that I would start today by um, reading a new poem, um, and then I'll move into poems that are in my chapbook, Sana Sana, which came out at the very beginning of last year. Um, I know it feels hard to remember. I feel like it's been 40 years. Um, I really appreciate you set up with it. Okay, <clears throat> uh, so the first poem I'm going to read is called Black Girls Deserve. Uh, and this is actually a poem that I wrote after a stretching session. Um, and so the title of the poem is Black Girls Deserve, and then everything that comes after is supposed to finish that line, so black girls deserve, and then it's just a list of things. Black girls deserve love, money, and safety. A kitchen stocked with spices, a full plate made by someone who loves us, freedom to live the lives we dream of living in our sleep, in our most fragile states, the world up in flames, the day breaking in the silence after support, family, safety, grocery money and a trip to the store, produce, junk food, recipes to reproduce, heirlooms, a hand to hold, the truth told with compassion, quiet celebrations and loud ones to kindness in the mirror, to be celebrated, to be remembered, grace, to make mistakes, to start over on our own terms, the last slice of apple pie, a light left on in the doorway, a working cell phone, a ride to work provided without complaint to be respected, to be heard, to keep everything that is ours, fresh towels after a bath, a driver's license and someone to teach us, a car, to be hard-headed, to be tender-headed, to never pay rent, to own nothing, to own ourselves and our image, to know we are most powerful with each other, to be ungovernable, to be thought of and cared for, language that calls us correctly, the beat bounce and holler, the news from our point of view, the sun on our skin, silk on our pillows, the names of our enemies turns to dust and their bodies to freedom in this life and the ones that follow. Elders, ancestors, cousins and aunties, children and nibblings and friends who nurse our soft hearts to be soft, to be loved, to be safe, to be forgiven, to be in charge, to take a break, 
to take the year off to retire. Elegance and laziness, cute shoes, comfortable shoes, a world that loves us back to have no end in sight. We will go on forever and never let you forget it. Someone to still be there, to watch each other grow, to lay our heads on your shoulders, to be moisturized and braided up. Someone to do our hair and do it right the first time. A safe place to sleep, stillness, peace, a love we don't have to wait for, confidence we don't have to explain, more than your thoughts and prayers, an end to relentless pain, a different world, one we've worked for and would still deserve even if we hadn't, the end of sadness that lasts too long, our favorite songs on a playlist, water to dip our toes, to live close to those who support us, to be loved, to be soft, to be safe, a thousand days without hearing of death, the end of wealth and states, to be healthy, to have health care, to know what was kept from us, the names of plants and their uses, what to bury, water, or light on fire, what the wind carries, what the soil knows, where the water's been, what our grandmothers can't speak of but know to be true, everything not mentioned we don't yet know we need to live, to live, to live. To live, to live. We deserve to live. Okay, <clears throat> uh, the next poem I'm gonna read is called Invocation. You were once teenage purveyor of the white girl gospel, zealous pupil of the hot comb, of oily neck and folded ear, but before that, you were young. You were asked questions about your dead father and your hair, your first conversation with God. Faithless, child of the singing forehead, child of the frustrated wrist. Your mother yelled because you fell asleep on your aunt's pillows and now the whole couch smells of you. Child of amorous pomade, everyone can tell where you've been. Even bus windows remember your name. Child of the curl that stole the wind's fury. How could everything about you not be bursting? Child of the busted chongro, child of the broken brush, splitting anything weak in half while still blushing for a gentle hand. You are your own lesson in commitment. Child of royalty, of the silk scarf before bed. Defender from the cotton resurrected each night to steal you back. Every pillowcase, a looming field of ghosts. Child of the rained out funeral. Child of grocery bag protection. At age 12, Washing your own hair is your first act of humility. Listening to your blackness, your first mode of resistance. Child of the eloquent scalp, which negotiations did you lose today? How many times did you lift your hands in ceremony to unravel and partition? Tell us how you learned to fix, fluff, and plait, to wind and plow. How you were late for class and work doing so. How you skipped breakfast. How you tended, how you greeted a new ancestor in the mirror and let their moans trickle and slither down the length of you. How each strand circles back to its own beginning. Child of inheritance, rejecting gravity and its theorems. The eternal resilience. When the weather catches you unprepared, you curse each raindrop undoing your labor with its disrespectful weight. But unlike anything else in the world, when smothered in water, submerged in a substance thick enough to kill you, nearly drowned, 
and gasping. You rise and refusing invisibility grow to the size all benevolent gods are. Thank you, thank you. Um, I have, I think, three more poems. The next poem I'm going to do um, is called Superpower. And then after that, I'm actually going to read another new poem and then close it out with one more. Uh, at this point in the show, I usually ask people to make some noise if they've ever been in a bad relationship. <clears throat> uh, so if you have, maybe you can let us know in the comments. And I appreciate everybody uh, commenting and being present with me right now. My love is strong, like my mother. My love is so big, it needs a new name. I've been chewed up in the mouth of a man. I've been promised and lied to and real close with the floor in my tear ducts and still. My love know how to fill a room. My love is a superpower. Got it from my mama gave me her blood and my daddy's last name. I am named after a love that refused to break. I am proof of what survived. Depression, death, I inherited myself. I'm an endless well, clear water, the surest you ever drank. I look in the faces of men who left and say it was an honor to be loved by me. You have no idea the world I built while humming a song that used to kill me. I know my voice know what this spirit is capable of. It is an honor to be loved by me. When my love was spat on and bullied, twisted and made ugly by unworthy hands, men who did not love me but wanted things from me, I could have chosen to float, to believe in drifting and homelessness and anything that makes me less rooted to this earth thing is. I was made for this, held together by warmth and a stitch of light guided by my mother's voice and my daddy's voice in the wind. I was made from this. I couldn't leave my love if I wanted to. It's the truest thing I ever learned to do. Bearer of the embarrassing smile, keeper of all my teeth. I say I love you and my body says we know how to do this. I've been alive here, unrequited here, and there is nothing wrong with carrying a love bigger than you, a superpower, thread connecting everywhere I've been with everywhere I will go. And I am blessed to know. I am blessed to know. I have never, I feel like, read performed poems and also seen comments popping up on the screen <laughs> at the same time. It is, uh, I feel like it's a very strange time to be an artist uh, right now. Maybe we can talk about that afterwards. But, um, anyway, uh, this is a newer poem uh, that I haven't shared a whole lot. Um, my partner has been baking a lot since the pandemic began. Uh, so this poem is called Bread. <clears throat> I don't like to cook. First, there is the standing. Then there's the measuring, the chopping, the checking, and double checking, and triple checking when I'm hungry and tired. And this just seems like something it's okay to not enjoy. Still, I cook. So I am responsible for what goes into my body. I've cooked for myself in every city I've lived, for every mood I've been in. Have you ever cooked while angry and tasted it in the food? 
Have you ever cooked a meal lovingly for someone who didn't love you? Said, I put my hands in this, my foot in this. I made time to make food so you didn't have to. I thought of you. I wanted you and did something to prove it. I knew you would need something, so I made sure you had it. Have you ever begged someone to tell you the truth? To stay or go, but not be in between. If you've eaten my food, washed in my tub, it means I prepared for you, was kind and beautiful to you of all people. Have you ever eaten an awful meal, loved a mean man, did both so often they ruin your day or your year? Have you ever been so poor you couldn't afford food, couldn't recognize yourself? Have you ever forced yourself to eat something you hate because it's what you have? Have you ever eaten fresh bread, yellow from the turmeric, your new partner layered with salt, enough salt that it didn't need butter just to break softly in your hand? Have you ever eaten food touched by someone you loved, who took their time, loved cooking for you and said so, didn't measure anything because they didn't need to, couldn't talk them out of feeding you? I love someone now who gives more than they take, who buys ice cream for themselves and lets me eat most of it, encourages me even, holds my stomach, which has never been flat and does not ask me to change. I still hate cooking. I'm a little better at it now. My partner teaches me to roast a chicken, make apple crisp, feel a love that is breathable and hard won and ours. It is ours. That's that poem. Um, I'm gonna do one more. Um, oh, shout out to shout out to Ilversel, who's uh, the best chef I have ever met. Um, professional chef. Ilversel is a professional chef. Um, okay, the last one I'm gonna do uh, is one of the last poems that comes in uh, Sana Sana, um, and it's about. Um, Braiding hair, which I can't, I shaved my hair a few months into the pandemic and I'm still waiting for it to get long enough so I can actually braid it again. <clears throat> um, okay. We've picked a color to make her happy. Honey blonde or burgundy, a hollering red, blissful obsidian, a dreamy lavender. After the wash and waking of each strand with something to keep moisture, I touch the scalp with ease, bring only good gifts, and listen to the singing in my lower back, neck, arms, and wrists when I conjure the soles of these digits to practice. My pinky gives me the most pain when I am braiding, shout at its bend, tying yarn or kanekalon at the square root of someone's head, someone who I love. And my shoulders hunch in defiance, and my forehead oils itself anew, and my knees bring their grievances to the top of the bloodstream, and here is my body wilting in reverence. If I could, I would destroy every memory of standing in a mirror with brush and head half done, the feeling of needing help and no one to ask for it. I don't know what the world expects of little black girls, but it isn't freedom to know oneself intimately to take pleasure in our many transformations, grow 18 inches of weave in the span of a few hours and be recognizable only to those who love us whole and consistently. I make braids or conversation and the head I'm working leans and aches. 
we cue a movie, cool a humble song to lift the lungs, and ours is a texture architectural, mimicking the forest and its triumphant green. I take the shape of trees, I'm as old as the unshed leaf, every spruce, cedar, and pine is showing off for me, and all my sisters deserve the sun's reach. The winds kiss and howl atop the scalp, proof we are the earth's earliest kin, shape-shifting for protection, and when we are done, Slip each end through a candle's light or cloth and burning water, small flame prayer sent up in smoke or sealed and soaking in the center of my hand. This I learned, this I taught myself, a secret I pass to all I love who mirror me. I don't know what the world expects of little black girls, but we never did this to be beautiful, though we did become so in the process. Thank you. <laughs> we like you said we are living in really strange times so we try <laughs> that smile though when like you heard the applause it just made my day okay, wow wow thank you so much for all those words i know you couldn't see me in the backstage but i think our our production crew definitely did i'm like sobbing <laughs> i appreciate wow. that I did. I did. I was watching and I was like, oh, Rocky's being such a Pisces right now. <laughs> and me, I'm a, so my husband's currently into like the Myers-Briggs personality thing. I'm an ISTJ. So like, I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. Let me take notes. <laughs> no, I'm like taking notes while I'm crying. I was like, red. Yes. Oh, so. Thank you. Those um, amazing work. Absolutely amazing work. Clearly, we can see from the comments section. Uh, amazing work. Um, you've been doing this for a while now. And for those of us that have kind of like followed your journey, you know, you started as a youth poet, went into the the college world, uh, the collegiate slam, now an adult poeting, you know, uh, poeting full time and, and going to school and all that. But I'm curious, like, where did where did you get your start into poetry? Like, how did you first know, like, hmm, I think I want to do this? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, there are a few moments that come to mind. Um, I think, honestly, okay, so in eighth grade, um, God, what a terrible year. Do you remember middle school? Oh, <laughs> I'll forget it. <laughs> Um, in eighth grade, I remember I was already writing poems in middle school, um, but in eighth grade, I had like a book, uh, like a composition notebook full of my poems that I really wanted my reading teacher um, to see, but I was too shy to talk to her about it. So I just left it on her desk with a little post-it that's like, read these if you want to, you know? Um, and she was super supportive and she recommended, um, there was supposed to be a, a Black History Month program uh, at my middle school um, that was coming up. And I guess there were some uh, some students who were going to like perform a poem um, that was already written. Uh, and my teacher recommended that I read a one of my original poems um, on stage in front of like all of my school, uh, including my bullies. Um, and I, I was terrified to do it, but I was actually really excited about it. That was my first time ever 
um, being on stage for poetry. Um, it was my first time being on stage with, with a microphone, everyone in the room listening to me. Um, and as a recovering shy kid, um, as an introvert, as someone who had a lot of bullies and just a terrible time <laughs> as an adolescent, um, I was surprised at how much I liked it. I felt, um, I felt powerful for the first time. It was the first time I really spoke up and didn't feel like I wanted to cry at the end of it. Um, so I think that was the moment, because uh, it was the being on stage, but then it was also the camaraderie with the other performers backstage, right? And getting to feel like what it's like to be part of an artist community. Um, and so I didn't really know if you could have a job as a poet. Um, <laughs> I still don't really know that. <laughs> um, but I think it was the first time that I thought, oh, I think I might, I might be good at this and it feels like something that feeds me in a way that I'm not used to. It makes me okay with being seen. Um, and I think that, yeah, that I think that's kind of what, what's kept me going till now. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that. I know that, um, cause I've actually been following you, I think at your freshman year, probably in UT Austin, right? And you're professional <laughs> there. I know it's been, it's, <laughs> it really has. But um, when I started doing poetry in San Antonio, I, I heard that you were from San Antonio and you started off here. You know, you've had many mentors. Um, I know Vocab, who was our poet laureate right now, loves you, talks so much like amazingness about you. Um, and then I know that you've also had Ebony Stewart. So can you please talk about all the different mentors that have inspired your writing and have, nurtured you um, in this tenderness, right? Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, I feel like I might get emotional. Um, vocab, um, for anyone watching who doesn't know, vocab is a huge pillar, I feel like, of the like Texas poetry community. She's been doing it for so long. Um, she, I feel like she's one of those people that does everything, right? Like she's a rapper, she's a singer, she's a host, she's an event organizer, she's a, a youth coach, right? She's a poet, like she's just jack of all trades, like for real. Um, Bocab drove me to my first poetry slam. I have known her for, uh, let's see, I met her in 2008 or 2009. Um, so it's been a long time. Um, she met my mom, <laughs> like Vocab was cool with my mom. Okay. <laughs> Vocab and Ebony both. Um, but Vocab and Ebony were two of my first, very first um, coaches that I ever had. Um, actually, Vocab was the one who convinced me to go to college in Austin because I was considering Austin or Houston. And I asked her which has a more supportive poetry community for like younger poets at the time. Um, and she said, Austin, a lot of the opportunities are in Austin right now. Uh, and so I went to Austin. Um, but if it hadn't been for vocab, I don't know if I would have found Poetry Slam in particular. Mm. Um, yeah, so vocab was huge in that regard and just has continued to be very supportive. Um, and she's like family to me. Um, and so I ended up meeting Ebony through the Youth Slam in Austin, uh, which I was competing in while I still lived in San Antonio. So also shout out to my mom for driving two hours. Like, hey. supportive <laughs> parents. Like, I don't even, yeah, and she's a single mom, so, you know, it was a lot. Um, but Ebony, I feel like, is really someone who taught me to understand um, performance. Um, and I don't just mean, like, Ebony taught me how to be a good performer. I mean, Ebony taught me how to be a careful performer. She taught me how to be a good teammate um, and how to show up in a poetry slam space, uh, whether that was, like, at the actual slam 
um, or like taking care of my teammate after the slam or being present um, during practices. Like I feel like she taught me discipline in that way. She took it seriously. Um, and she also thought of it as, um, as a ritual, right? I feel like people in slam, I feel like all of us have our little things that we do so we feel comfortable and ready on stage. Um, and Ebony was the first person that taught me, okay, who are you taking on stage with you, right? Who are you bringing into the space with you? And so because Ebony always talked about performing in that way, it always felt very spiritual to me. Um, so when I got into slam, I was never really concerned with how I was scoring. Um, I'm not a competitive person. Um, I always thought of it as I'm entering this space to do ritual, to be in ceremony with everyone in the audience. Um, and I feel like you can feel that in my poems. I'm not really trying to be like the entertainer of the year. <laughs> um, I just have to work that I care a lot about. And I feel like Ebony and vocab is a huge mm. part of it. I understand my own relationship uh, to my work and to other poets as well. I absolutely no. love that. Oh, yeah, I, I, when you're talking about like rituals and I feel it not only the way that you're talking about, you know, vocab and Ebony, who are just these two beautiful, like, powerful black women, right, in your life, but you're also talking about like rituals and blackness in your poetry as well and, and everything, your books, even the ones that you shared right now. And I guess um, even though when you're writing it, who do you bring into your poetry? Yeah, I think when I'm writing, um, I think a lot about my childhood self. <clears throat> um, vocab is here. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> of course she sure. is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is very exciting to me. Uh, I love you, vocab. I hope you're doing okay. Um, oh my God. What was the question? Oh, who do I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who do I bring when I'm writing? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I think a lot about my uh, my childhood self or my younger self, you know, um, just like what are the things that younger Ariana needed that she didn't get? Uh, what are the affirmations she needed to hear? Um, what kind of healing and care did she need to create for herself if she wasn't going to find it other places? Um, and just kind of writing to nurture that part of me because your child self is always with you, you know? Um, and so I try to talk to her sometimes and let her know that we're okay, you know, or like the things you were scared of, you don't have to be scared of anymore. Um, but I think too that there are some sometimes when I write now, I feel like a lot of the work that I'm doing now is more similar to the first poem that I read, the Black Girls Deserve poem, uh, which is also in writing toward like nurturing my own self and my childhood self. I'm also writing to nurture people like me who have experiences like me, um, who have experienced, you know, similar marginal marginalization or harm or loneliness or whatever. Um, for, you know, specific reasons. Um, and so I'm also writing to those folks as well. Mm. I think you can definitely feel that and see that in your work. Um, you know, after after 10 years of being in this last year uh, at AWP, you released your book, Sana Sana, which if y'all don't have a copy of, you need to get a copy of. Um, and you definitely feel that in this in this work, you're definitely nurturing uh, not just the reader, but I think you you find that nurture in, in the self, and you have this beautiful way of just holding softness with such strength, you know, and 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 this tenderness, even in the poems where you're kind of like angry at someone, like you talk about the white girl in your Spanish class and things like that. There's still a softness to this that that um, 
you look at the world with such tenderness. Um, two qu my question is like, how do you find that balance? Um, and then we have a question from the audience that we will get to after you answer that question. I don't want to overload. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, also, thank you for such a thoughtful reading of my chapbook to be, <laughs> that means a lot to me. Um, it's good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like sometimes you put work out there that you just never hear from people what they thought about it. You know, it's like maybe they hated it. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Um, how do I balance that? I mean, I think part of it is understanding that anger too can be a practice of love and, and care, right? Because often when we are, not all the time, but often when we are angry, we are, we are angry because we're not being treated the way that we should be. Um, and so like through that anger, there can also be an analysis of oppression and power dynamics. Um, and that's actually really important, right? Um, it's really important to be able to, um, to speak up when you have capacity to do that. So you will notice that in the collection, there are not a lot of poems that are like Dear White Girls in My Spanish Class, right? There's like maybe two. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have this space to be talking to them all the time. Um, most of the time, actually, I'm talking to myself um, or I'm talking to other queer black girls. Um, and I think that's fine if that's the, the focus of it. Um, and so in trying to find the balance, it's just like, what do I need to, what do I absolutely need to say right now um, that will nurture me, right? If I am feeling angry, okay, let me lean into that, but I can't be in that place 24 seven, you know? Mm -hmm. So there has to be some kind of uh, recovery from that and making space for that as well. Mm, okay, I love that. It's more of like, it's it's a self-care sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I wanna get to this question from the audience that I'm gonna pull up here. Um, Sarah asks, something that always strikes me about your poems is your tender specificity of details. What advice do you have for poets in choosing the most authentic details to them slash the most important? Mm. Shout out to you, Sarah. Um, I'm a big fan of Sarah's poetry as well. If you, if you haven't uh, looked into their work, they're super dope. Um, thinking about details. Um, I think, yeah, I think it really depends on the person. Um, I am someone who I like to make a lot of lists when I'm writing, um, just because I like details and I like a lot of imagery. Um, I don't think that everyone should or has to write that way, but it's what I'm interested in. Um, and so when I write, I tend to make a lot of um, just lists of things, just kind of like word association, um, whether it's words that I like the way they sound um, or like potential details I would like to include. Um, so I often take a lot of notes before I actually put the poem together. Um, and I think that's how I'm able to, to have so many kind of specific details. Um, and then I feel like it's, a, I feel like, um, in my experience, writing is a very intuitive uh, process. And so I feel like sometimes I hesitate to give writing advice to other people because I feel like poets especially are taught to that like, like, I feel like poets often have this like complex where we're like, I don't know anything. Everyone else knows the answer. <laughs> um, but something that I learned from Ebony is that you actually know so much uh, about your own process. Uh, you just have to trust it. And so you just have to trust it. Great. I think there's another question to be, if you could pull it up by Max. By Max. Uh, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> she said my name. <laughs> <laughs> so Max says, Ariana, the last line on always there is music is if you want to take the music, take the grief too. Could you speak a little bit 
on that line. Yeah, um, y'all are doing deep dives into my older work. <laughs> these, are, these are your fans, Ariana, yeah. okay? These are your fans. <laughs> y'all click every link on my website, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, I haven't thought about this poem in forever. Uh, Always There Is Music is a poem that's kind of about, um, it's about black music and it's also about my father um, who was a great dancer. Um, so there's like a story in the poem that I tell about um, him and, and my uncles when they were younger, like going to a club in track suits, um, my dad like busting out like with a, a b-boy routine. Um, and it's kind of interlaid with um, stories about watching non-black people like loudly sing or like loudly sing the lyrics um, of like black music um, in ways that feel strange um, because I feel like black music is this thing that um, that black folks inherit right, that we have these very specific, like, familial memories that are tied to. Um, it's a, like, cultural, familial, like, embodied experience, and it's very strange, I think, to watch how um, there's a way, I think, um, that people tend to, uh, I don't know exactly how to say it, but I think something that makes me uncomfortable often is how Blackness is always, like, entertainment. Um, that the context shifts from when it's black folks in a space listening to black music, when it's other folks listening to black music, there's something that changes um, in that. And the poem is kind of talking about like, um, my father also, he passed before I was born. So I never got to meet him. Um, and so in the last line of the poem is if you want to take the music, uh, take the grief too, um, that there's so much that goes into what it means to, to have blackness, have a relationship to blackness. Um, that you can't extract the the fun stuff without also taking the the grief. Mm. You know, and there's a there's a lot in your poetry. The, your poetry does have a lot of discourse between the the idea of of being black, but also your your identity as uh, uh, Latina. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you how do you find the 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 merger of the two, or how do we embrace? Because, like, let's be honest, like, there's there's a lot of racism in Latin American cultures, right? And there's still a lot of work to be done in that. So how does that embrace kind of like drive you and and your identity and your lived experience? Yeah, um, I think, is there, I think there's several things there. Um, the first is like understanding, one, like understanding how I'm racialized in any space that I'm in, which in the US, I'm always really racialized as a black person. Um, and in certain spaces in Mexico as well, um, what you call it. And so like, I feel like one is like, a, just on a basic level is like, un, like having that self-awareness, right. Um, of like how I'm perceived in each space that I enter and how that changes, um, interactions that I'm able to have with people. Um, I think the second thing is, uh, just being honest about what my experiences have been, um, I am a black person who grew up in a, a home where there were no other black people. Um, and so there are certain things that I understand um, about, like, I have a really hard time because Latinidad is fake uh, and I don't care very much about like being Latina. I even have a weird time saying it. Yeah. Um, I really myself invest in specificity. So every time I describe myself online, I'm like Ariana Brown is a queer black Mexican-American poet from the South side of San Antonio, Texas, right? Because race and ethnicity are so geologically specific. Um, like someone, um, 
like both of y'all, right, who have spent time, spent a lot of time in not even just Central Texas, but just like all over Texas, right, are often, I imagine, racialized as Mexican-American people. But in Mexico, you would be recognized as the ruling class, whereas I would not because of your skin tones, right? Um, and also probably the way that you speak or don't speak Spanish. Um, and so like, for me, I'm not very interested in like this pan, pan Latino identity uh, because it does nothing for me. I'm generally not included in that and I don't want to be. Um, and so what I've tried to do instead is to really make an effort to connect with um, with indigenous black folks and Afro-Indigenous folks um, from Mexico, but also like Afro-Caribbean folks specifically, because I feel like they can teach me things about the limits of Mexicanidad and Mexican nationalism, which always exclude Caribbean folks, which always exclude Central American folks, which always exclude indigenous black people um, in Latin America. And so I feel like being very clear about what my political allegiances are help, like, help prevent me from um, from going into this like space where it's like we're all brown, like we're all raza, like we all have the same experiences, um, because that's already flattening. Um, uh -huh. So it's a lot of like research, um, but then also building connections uh, with people who know more than I do uh, about what I should be invested in. Mm. And I completely apologize for for generalizing it. I think that's a that's a, something that we kind of fall into so that we don't exclude anybody, right? So we use these umbrella terms, but you are absolutely right. There is definitely a difference between uh, Latinidad and you know the Mexican American experience, especially when it comes to different skin tones and things like that. So my bad, but thank you for that answer too. Sure. I also, um, I kind of want to talk about your radically tender uh, workshops that you're offering in Jan um, January, right? January, this starting next, is it next week? Or the two weeks Oh my now? gosh, it is. It's <laughs> next week, it's here people, yeah. if you haven't signed up. <laughs> I was just like, wait, hold on, hold on. Yes, um, I wanna keep going with this conversation of being like radically tender. Um, and what a time to just really start caring about ourselves in these ways, especially like in quarantine, we've really had to find ways to be tender with ourselves um, in ways that maybe we wouldn't have if we were, the quarantine didn't happen. So please, can you talk about your workshop? Why did you say radically tender? Um, and what can we look forward to or anyone that's being involved in your workshops? Yeah. Thank you for asking me about that. Cause I'm actually, even though I wasn't sure that it was next week, uh, I'm very excited about it. <laughs> I've been looking forward to it for a while. Um, Cause I feel like I've been missing just like a writing community since, uh, since the pandemic began. We can't gather in the ways that we used to. Um, and so I feel like writing workshops are the way that I'm finding community with folks right now. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so Radically Tender, it's four weeks. We only meet four times. Um, each session is an hour and a half. So it's a good chunk of time to really get into some poems and have some time to write with other people and also hear what folks are thinking and writing about. Um, the workshop, um, there's also like sliding scale tuition and scholarships available. So it's not cost prohibit prohibitive. Um, but uh, so it starts next Thursday, actually a week from today. Um, and it focuses on just like the idea of tenderness. Cause I teach a workshop usually um, when I do um, workshops and shows at colleges, there's a workshop that I teach that's an hour, it's called Radically Tender, um, but there's so much material in it that I really felt like I could stretch it out 
and really like have time to focus on every aspect of it and just do a whole course. And so that's what I did here. So I've taught some of the material before, um, but just not as not in as much depth. Um, and so with this version of it, we're thinking through um, tenderness from like all aspects. And I'm thinking about it also in a political sense, right? Because the way I feel like most people I know are very hard on themselves. Uh, if, if you might be like a wonderful and caring friend or partner, but I feel like generally speaking, people tend to be very hard on themselves, whether it's about your work or how you look or what you believe about your abilities. Like, um, I feel like this is true for people across the board. And so <laughs> something that we go into in the course is where did that kind of thinking come from? Because I do think that often um, what we believe about ourselves is a reflection of what we have been taught by our society. And so if we have experienced violence or abuse or um, that inner critic in your head that's telling you you're not good enough, right? These are things that are related to capitalism. These are things that are related to ableism. They're related to transphobia, homophobia, and anti-blackness, right? Um, and so we think about tenderness, like how are you being tender to yourself and others? And what are the limits of your own tenderness? Um, and sort of where does that come from? And we trace a genealogy of that and just kind of open it up so we can see the links between things. Um, and one thing I'm really excited about with the workshop is that it's, the syllabus is all um, Black, Indigenous, queer, and trans writers. Um, because in thinking about like who has, um, we're thinking about folks who have already been asking these kinds of questions. Um, and also what kind of visions do they have for a future where these things don't exist anymore, uh, these systems and these kinds of violences. And so we really do a deep dive into some of um, some more recent texts that I've been seeing. Uh, these are like published works, but also some chapbooks we're looking at. So it's kind of a little bit of, of everything, but I'm really excited to get into it. Great. And I think one of the um, I think pieces or work that we're going to be looking at is Jay Jennifer Espinosa's There Should Be Flowers, correct? Yes. Can you tell me, uh, can you tell us why like, that specific piece is like one of the ones you want to center? And, you know, who is Jay Jennifer Espinosa? Yes. Um, and so I think actually uh, J. Jennifer Espinosa is, I think, the only non-Black uh, writer uh, who will be studying in the course. Um, but I got her book, There Should Be Flowers, um, a few weeks ago, um, and I really loved it. It's so sad. Um, and I think that's really important, right? Because some of the things that she's talking about are trans misogyny and how that affects her on a day-to-day -day basis. And so the title of the collection is There Should Be Flowers. And we're actually gonna read the title poem, There Should Be Flowers as well. Um, and it's thinking about like, uh, what should this life have that it doesn't have? Um, so it's also sort of asking you to imagine, right? It's asking you to invent, right? Given what we have seen that is not enough, what would you put in place of, of what we have? Um, and I think that's a really important question, right? Like with everything that's been going on in the world in the last year, we are at a critical point to really um, reimagine how things are. Um, and so I think writing poetry um, is a great place to practice that imagination. Mm. That, mm, I'm sorry, that's just sitting with me. That's good. <laughs> um, there's just so much that can be explored and I'm so excited for that you are giving this this in-depth workshop. Uh, I think we had it up earlier where like, if anybody wants to sign up for the workshop, go to awfulgoodwriters.com, sign up for this workshop, uh, four weeks with Ariana Brown. Like, please, 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 please do. Um, 
I know you've given versions of this workshop before and I've heard nothing but praise for it. So do that. Um, the other thing too, so we're doing these virtual workshops because like you said, like we're in a pandemic and it's like, we can't get together in spaces. Um, but we're also doing these virtual performances. Can you talk a little bit about what are, what does artistry feel like in a pandemic? And, um, and then we'll go into your future project. Okay. Um, <laughs> being an artist in a pandemic, it's so weird. <laughs> I feel like I just want more people to say that, you know, like everyone is pretending that they're totally fine with performing in their pajamas at home. And it's so strange. It's such a surreal experience. I was telling my partner earlier when I was um, running my poems to make sure I remembered all the lines. This is my first show of the new year um, that I always run my lines standing up. And I was having this moment where I was running lines thinking to myself, wow, it's been so long since I stood up and said a poem. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like it's yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, and y'all are both, you know, writers and performers. Like, performing is so physical, you know? Mm -hmm. You feel the poem in your body. And I that's one of the things, one of the things I miss about performing live in front of other people, not only is feeling the poem in your body, but also being able to use movements that are like outside of this little community. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> you feel that to be? <laughs> yes. I also feel that, you know, like, so for the first few months I was performing standing up and like further away from the camera. Right. Because like, this is how I do poetry. And I was like, let me try doing a poem right here and see what happens to it. And it's such a different dynamic. And it's like, you've just had to, adjust right you've you've had to adapt to this new world um and part of one of the things that you've done because you you published a book right and you were gonna go on tour and all of that you've now adapted to it and you have this tour that you have planned coming up called uh the kindred tour um can you talk a little bit about the kindred tour what that is and if uh we'll just talk about what it is and then we'll talk about how people can find it <laughs> Okay, <laughs> thank you, Chippy. Um, yeah, the Kindred Tour, uh, we are now booking uh, for the spring semester. Um, it's a sort of partnership uh, with my good friend, Alan Velaez Lopez, um, who is a um, amazing artist. I, I, I wanted to say poet, but they do so many different things. They're a, they're a writer, they're a multimedia artist. They do just everything that you can imagine, they do it. Um, they are um, Afro Zapotec from Oaxaca, Mexico. Um, and we've done a few things together before. Like we taught a summer writing writing workshop series this past summer. Um, we've done a few shows together. So I feel like our, our work is kind of already in conversation with each other. Um, and we have a good working relationship. And so we thought it might be really fun to do some shows together. Um, so we actually planned uh, some all new writing workshops. We were doing artist talks and uh, dual performances uh, where we like um, put our work in conversation with one another. Um, and so uh, one of my goals for 2021 was to collaborate more. Um, I've been outside of SLAM for a long time and I miss working with other people, you know, to like make a group piece or whatever. Um, <laughs> so we are doing this tour. <laughs> I do, I miss that a lot. Uh, that's even harder to do on Zoom. So <laughs> um, this is something that's possible. Uh, so we are... Um, yeah, our, our goal was to build a tour that specifically focused on uh, Black healing and queer kinship. We're both Black queer folks. And we both often get booked to do shows at like 
um, at universities for like Latinx student orgs or like for Latinx Heritage Month, it, which is so strange because we don't really write a lot about Latinidad. Um, so we would like to talk to Black queer folks. And so that's the focus of this tour. <laughs> uh, we were like, maybe if we make it obvious, then we'll get booked for those things. Uh, so that's that's the plan first. Um, I always, I love that not only your work, but who you're um, collaborating with. It's always about like community care towards liberation, towards healing. Um, and again, it's this whole thing about being radical in the way that y'all are holding space for that. So I just really want to say thank you. Really, really thank you. And um, if you want to know a little bit more about the tour, the info is on our website, um, Word and Shit too. And then I know that our production crew will also have a little line over there too. So check out the you know, radically tender workshops and also the Kindred tour. Yeah, somebody was asking, um, how do we access the sliding scale option for your workshop, if need be? Oh, that's a, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That's a great question. Um, just send an email to info at awfulgoodwriters.com um, and they can provide all the information with that. Perfect. And if anybody wants more information about the Kindred tour, they can just go to your website, arianabrown.com. Or, 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 yes. It yeah. disappeared, but that's right. Okay, yes, arianabrown.com, perfect. Um, so if you are in any way associated with a university, a school, a, a venue, because I'm assuming these are all virtual uh, workshops, performances? Yeah. Yes, so <laughs> any space, if you are an organizer of any space and want to book uh, the Kindred tour, go to arianabrown.com to get more information. So. Uh, Props to you for just like pivoting on a dime. And <laughs> I mean, <I'm> <laughs> 2020 was a very large dime. Okay. We, we all just pivoted the way the Titanic would pivot. So, <laughs> <laughs> and we are still going, which is great. Uh, thank you for all that information and just for sharing so much of yourself uh, in this conversation. I want to transition us now to our next new segment which is a segment that it's a game that gets played a lot. Uh, and I incorporate it sometimes whenever I'm hosting an event while judges are tabulating, I will play this game with the audience and it's called this or that. Okay. So we're going to, we have each compiled our own list. We have not shared this list with each other. No, we have not. <laughs> Throughout the course of this conversation, we've compiled our own list and we're going to ask you this or that, and you got to pick one or the other. Okay. And again, you can be as concise or as elaborate as you need to be to justify your answer. And we may have some conversation about it. Okay. So you mentioned you were an afternoon granny. Yes. Which got me to thinking about like afternoon drinks or morning drinks or just drinks in general. So this might be easy. This might be hard. Okay. Tea or coffee? Uh, neither. Oh. Yeah. Um, coffee makes me feel crazy. <laughs> Uh, I have a very low caffeine tolerance. So I just start talking really fast and doing like a lot of hand motions. It's, <laughs> that's not me. So I got to <laughs> like chill on the coffee. Um, but I also am not a big uh, uh, tea drinker. Um, I think uh, I really like uh, ginger beer. That's my favorite uh, beverage. Because it's like, it's, it's kind of, it kind of tastes like ginger ale, you know? So it like settles your stomach and everything. But then it's still kind of, uh, it has a deeper ginger flavor than ginger ale. So ginger beer. All right. 
Oh, Rocky, you're muted. You're muted, Rocky. So, you know, behind backstage, virtual backstage, you know, we're talking about where you, you know, where you've moved, but I just want to know, are you a summer person or are you a winter person? It depends where I am. Uh, <laughs> true. <so> true. <laughs> very, like, you have to be honest when answering this question. Because um, summer's in Texas, absolute worst. No, thank you. <laughs> if you go outside, it feels like you're going to die. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no... Especially summers in Houston, it feels like um, it feels like someone is breathing hot breath on your neck while slapping you with a hot, wet towel. That's how, exactly how it feels. Um, so I love winter in Texas, summer uh, in New England. <laughs> Valid. Okay, so you talked about uh, spiral notebooks being your favorite place to write, which we may have to readjust that question because I like literary devices as a question. <laughs> anyway, you just no. inspired us. Um, when it comes to spiral notebooks, college rule or wide rule? College rule all the time. No question. I knew I liked you. That's <laughs> <laughs> an easy question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, have, you need room for all your thoughts. You know, wide rule just ain't going to cut it. Okay. All right. So this is also echoing back to your, like your favorite dish. I know you had one about banduste. So do you, would you rather eat at a taqueria or a panderia? Mm. A taqueria, because I really love um, carne guisada. Uh, mm. And which is also, I didn't know, that's like kind of something you can only get like in San Antonio. I feel like there are not a lot of other places that just even know what that is. When I did a show in Arizona, I was talking to a friend I have there. And they were like, what the hell is carne guisada? Like I have no idea. <laughs> That's so funny. And my husband has been begging me for years now to learn how to make carne guisada. So uh, knowing that it's not available outside of San Antonio, I'm going to have to get on that pronto. Okay. Yeah, I can uh, like the name of a good taqueria on the south side if you want to like, you know, have some really good carne guisada. Okay, we'll hit it up. We'll hit it up. Okay, along that same lines, pan dulce or southern sweetbread? I don't know if I've ever had Southern sweet bread. Um, I feel like there are certain like um, black Southern desserts that I, so like I'll take like my Aunt Laronda's peach cobbler over pan dulce any day. It's no, not even a question about it. Okay, all right. All right. I want to know um, music that moves you. Would you rather listen to sad music or like uppity like dance music? Uh, hmm. <laughs> that's hard because <laughs> um, like sad music makes you sad you know yes. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes problem. you need that <laughs> I don't know um, okay so I have to I feel like I have to explain here because I um, I'm not someone who like, likes to party or like go clubbing or dancing or anything like that um, but I do like to dance um, but like by myself. Uh, so for me, like dance music is like Missy Elliott, uh, like Michael Jackson, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really enjoy that. Or like Usher, I'll turn on some Usher and just be like gliding in my room by myself, having a good time. Um, so I enjoy, I'll, I'll probably say that. Probably like that as a dance music. Mm -hmm. I'm already sad. I don't need something else to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. side, side note, I'm really pissed off that Adele did not release an album. I needed some Adele in 2020, okay? Oh, <laughs> Maybe she needed a break. Yeah, yeah, valid. Okay, speaking of, 
forgiving yourself or forgiving others? Forgiving myself. I'm a Taurus. I hold grudges. I'm not going to forgive <laughs> <laughs> You live and you learn, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, for those, you know, your fans, they, they know that you have a poem dedicated to the, um, oh, to public transportation. So do you like driving or riding like the bus? Riding the bus. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, well, it depends like what you have to do, right? Because <laughs> like <laughs> getting groceries on the bus is the worst. Um, or, like doing on the bus, waiting or waiting for the bus in the snow or like 100 degree weather is, is awful. Um, but I really dislike driving. <laughs> uh, I like I like the freedom of it, of being able to get to where you need to get to or to go to multiple places in one day. That's really nice. Um, but I prefer being on the bus. <laughs> All right. Oh. I miss a city like Austin with good public transportation. Which is funny because if you talk to people who are like from other places, from like other big cities, they're like, Texas doesn't have good public transportation, like anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. It really doesn't. But like at the Austin. same time, like the MC never works either too. And it's always delayed and we're supposed to have like the best public transportation. So no, MTA is just busted too. It's just <laughs> Io says, waiting for the bus with groceries while it's snowing. Don't miss it. Yeah, yeah absolute worst. Mm-mm. And then okay. it's like right everywhere when it's snowing. Yeah, it's not a good thing. Okay, the, I, this is my last one. And then I think Rocky has one more. Um, okay. And forgive me if I get the, the, the vernacular wrong, um, but protective styles or natural mm-hmm. hair? Uh, well, I mean, I feel like you can have both at the same time. Um, so like it just depends on what you prefer um i i really like having protective styles in because if i if i'm wearing my hair um just like down um then it gets tangled a lot faster and i have to like it's more work uh if i have my hair just like down excuse me but if i have a protective style i can kind of just like go about my day and not think about it for two weeks um i I like that yeah (laughs) all right all right all right, and then my my question, I feel like it should be an easy answer, but who knows? San Antonio or Austin? Houston. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be somewhere with black people. Y'all not trying to play me. <laughs> Earlier, uh, Ubersaw said uh, size in Austin, but okay, I get it. <laughs> I love you, Oversaw. I, you know, but you understand why I can't be there no more. Oh, <laughs> uh, I feel that. Yeah. So I think those are our, our, the only. Um, we finished everything. We finished our segments and everything. So yay! Great. I want to really say thank you, thank you so much. Um, before we we you know close out the show, can you can you please grace us with one more poem? Is that okay? Of course. I would love to. This has been so fun, by the way. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for staying to the end. Um, I'm going to close with the very last poem in Sana Sana um, that I'd like to close most of my sets with. Um, So here we go. For the Black kids in my eighth grade Spanish class, for Eddie, T, Alexis, Michelle, island at the center of the room, 
dark utopia in the middle of middle school. When the girls I was friends with in sixth grade started bullying me in eighth grade, I stopped talking to them. In retaliation, they pushed me in the halls, shoved my books out of my hands and talked shit, loud, in class, for everyone to hear. Worst of all, they made fun of my Spanish. So I drifted to sit with the black kids and it was there, in the classroom of Senora Quinones, the four desks in the middle of the room, I could unveil my whole self without shame. For the group of people who helped me find my natural rhythm, who taught me to trust in, to be black and laugh with my whole body. For Alexis and Michelle, who laughed and showed every tooth, every time, who dragged joy from their lungs and threw their happiness in the air. When they reached you, you couldn't help but catch on and make the happy sounds too. For T, who chuckled at my jokes, wrote the lyrics to Roses by Kanye West in my notebook so I would fall in love with hip hop too. And for Eddie, the quiet brother taking notes in the back, who once shouted, where the hell is my pinche cuaderno? So loud, all us black kids shouted, then laughed till tears poured out like music notes. And there we were, filling the space with the sound of us again. The descendants of slaves have always been the kindest to me. Eddie and I were the only ones good at Spanish. The others were good at being free. Blackness, the gift my father gave me, is the most human thing I have ever been blessed to be. Bond that cannot be broken should we choose it over supremacy. I have never needed a country to love me, just Black people. I have never needed heaven, just Black people. Eddie, Alexis, Michelle, T, you gave me permission to love being Black. Who taught you to love the texture of your hair and the color of your skin, the shape of your nose and the shape of your lips? Who taught you to love yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to love your own kind, the race you belong to, so much so that you only want to be around each other, to be what God gave you, beautiful because we chose to be, together because we're better that way? When I tell you no one in the world makes me laugh like Black people, makes me love like Black people, I mean it's the first thing people notice about me. It's the first prayer I wake to and the longest song I am grateful to sing. Should I ever be shamed inward for wearing a dark cloud on my head? Should I ever think myself better for being a lighter color? Let me remember the dark utopia from whence I come. Should I ever forget that Black people have demonstrated the greatest acts of humanity, of courage, that we are no one's second choice, that no matter where they put us on a map, we will find each other, create our own world, and they will be enough. Let us be enough. Thank you. Mm. Come back. We're all <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're back. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> thank you oh, so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Again, um we're I'm just gonna give you a round of applause. I know that your comment session is like giving you so much love right now. Thank you so much, Ariana Brown. Um, this has been such a great intimate conversation just about not only about your poetry but about yourself so thank you for blessing us um and this time to remind ourselves to be tender and loving to our to everyone in our community right so thank you thank you so much 
Thank you. This has been really, really uh, lovely and wonderful. Uh, you'll ask really great questions too. Sometimes you do interviews and you're like, why did you ask me that? But all your <laughs> questions were really great. I appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us, Ariana. And to everybody that is watching, if you want more information about Ariana, you can follow her basically everywhere uh, at Ariana the Poet. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also tip your poet tonight via Cash App or Venmo. Also, Ariana the Poet or go to arianabrown.com for more information about her books, her tour, her upcoming workshops, and all that fun stuff. So, thank you, Ariana. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> so thank you to our audience for joining us oh my god um rocky i have yeah. to wow. can we take a moment yeah i feel like we do because <laughs> we got through episode one of season yeah. two first of all yeah. yes and i definitely cried <laughs> and you let's take a moment to hug ourselves uh I think I'm so inspired to like just go do yoga or something right now. Yeah. Like this whole like idea of like self care. I couldn't think of a better way to start the year than just this reminder to like take care of yourselves and nurture ourselves as we move forward into 2021. Yeah, I'm still so stuck on her new shit poem, um, Bread. And that is like just even cooking, nurturing someone that you love, nurturing yourself. Because um, I definitely don't like to to cook when I'm angry because I know that like it's going to turn to shit if like I'm cooking angry or upset. So, oh, that's the one that got me crying. I um, saw it. That's when you lost it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was so great. Um, wow. Um, I'm like utterly speechless right now. I'm so honored that, you know, we got to talk to Ariana that, you know, I'm this, you're a new co-host as well. Season two, already off to a great start. Um, thank you. And then thank you everyone that like participated and came to just, you know, listen to Ariana and just hear our conversation. So cannot, cannot say thank you enough to all of y'all. All right, let's get the logistics and get on out of here. Thank you to everybody that tuned in and watched both on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you to our production assistant, Dominique. And thank you to Chris Condé, who composed our theme music for the new season two of Words and Shit. What? And if you're not following us, please follow us on IG and Twitter. You can see this amazing right here banner. Um, follow us at Twitter at Words and Shh right um subscribe rate review us you can also find us on your podcasts um and youtube as well as anywhere you can find your podcast too sorry to i just like you're <laughs> fine yes if you want to catch up on past episodes or if you ever miss a week just know that it will be available on podcasts and on youtube so you can always go back follow us words and shit right subscribe rate review us all that fun stuff um next week rocky yes next week Please tune in to us on Thursday, um, January 14th. Again, it's going to um, be 7.30 Central Time, 8.30 Eastern Time. And our feature is Ayo Kunlek Palomo. Palomo sorry. Um, and he was actually here in the comic sections, too. He was. Ayo, 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 Ayo. So excited to have Ayo on here. <laughs> he made the yeah. comments about waiting for the bus in yeah. the snow. Um, phenomenal poet. So excited to have him on here uh, next week. Um, but until then, that that's Rocky over there. <laughs> yeah, that's Rocky over there. 
So thank you so much. And that's y'all. Thank you for being a lovely audience and commenting. So until next week. Stay safe, y'all. All right. Bye.